Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 56 of the F1 show for coverage of the 2009 Hungarian Grand Prix. I'm Robin Warner, and we are back to full strength. Full strength, baby. I'm Jim Lau. We are two men strong again, and uh, we had a heck of a weekend going on here. Oh, I mean, man. let's get it right into really it. There something. are a, a number of stories that each one on its own would be the top story of the weekend. But Right. Uh, well, we're going to start, you know, we usually talk about some of the politics that's going on through the week and everything else, but really... The only thing that's on my mind at the most is uh, Felipe Massa's condition. Yes. Uh, for those that don't know, Felipe Massa actually had a real nasty crash um, during qualifying. It was actually during Q2 qualifying where he was actually hit by a piece of debris from another car. And it turned out to be um, Rubens Barrichello one of Rubens Barrichello's rear springs yeah, that sure. actually hit Massa in the head yeah. and more or less knocked him out. And then and then as a result, Massa hit into the wall, uh, uh, headed straight into the wall. I think it was in turn three, uh, uh, maybe no, turn four of the track. Yeah, it was a little later than that in the track, I think. But um, it, it was a real fast section. And uh, actually, I mean, Massa did well because the car was going apparently about 160 miles an hour at the time of the impact. And yeah. we could see from the onboard shot that the gas was still floored, that the accelerator pedal was still floored, um, but he also managed to hit the brakes in his, you know, whatever state he'd be in after hitting, getting hit in the face with a piece of debris at 160 miles an hour. Yeah, and, and I slowed I, the car down to 60 for the impact. So, right. I mean, well Which done as far as... definitely a good thing. I, you know, people said it was a reaction of his to hit the brake, and I'm not so sure if it was just him being knocked out and his body just being, like, his body, his body reacting to... The hit that might have caused him to hit the brakes. Either way, he hit the brakes, which was a di- very good thing because it yeah, took 100 well, miles and off, 100 miles an hour off the speed. Yeah, and it looked like his hands were loose on the wheel, but it didn't look like they were out of control. Like they didn't, his hands didn't fall off the steering wheel or anything yeah. like that. Like it was definitely, you know, in huge amount of pain. And I, I don't know if he passed out. I mean, we're not medical experts, so it doesn't matter anyway. But the bottom line is, he's Speak in the hospital. yourself. He's Jim. in the hospital now. Um, he's recovering. Um, they had, you know, he's had some surgery, and I guess he's in, a, like, an induced coma right now and all that. So, um, certainly, you know, we can keep track of uh, websites and everything, you know, post some stories. Hopefully, yeah, he's going to be better. He did not race this weekend, obviously. He right. was helicoptered away. And well, I mean, the, 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 the spring weighed a pound and three quarters, and it's apparently it's called the heave spring. There's three springs in a rear suspension of a Formula One car, and there's this third heavier spring is meant to basically hold the car up under heavy loads of downforce. And it was this big, heavy spring that hit Massa in the head. And they say it was with 1,600 pounds of force that it hit Massa's helmet. And that is, you know, nearly, you know, it's three-quarters of a ton on your head. Yeah. And uh, so it's very, very serious injury. He seems to be, what I would say, in very good conditioning, considering what could have happened. Um also, this is kind of overshadowed. The other, we uh, had another uh, truly massive loss. The uh, young 18-year-old Henry Surtees uh, passed away in an F2 race uh, only but a week ago. And he was the son of former world champion John Surtees, who won the 1964 championship, I do believe. And he, he, was, he was also struck in the head by a wheel and tire from another person's uh, accident. So... Uh, it's real easy to talk about and say, you know, that racing is a dangerous sport and these drivers put their, you know, lives at risk whenever they go out and do this. But 
the reality of that comes and hits you when you have these certain kind of circumstances and you know it's it's easy to kind of forget about that in today's level of safety and uh, regulation that you know drivers injuries are have become quite rare which is really fortunate but uh, it, it's it's still a very dangerous sport by nature and um, there's just a whole lot of energy involved and you and you're ultimately no matter what you do in terms of safety it, you're still putting yourself at quite a bit of risk it's just amazing yeah and you know you could certainly look at the numbers and say how many more people die every minute on the you know driving on the highway or how many more people die running marathons or all that but it still doesn't make it any easier when you know, certainly a, a young kid, you know, 18 years old, loses his life. And even, you know, in this, you know, serious injury from, you know, one of the top guys uh, in Formula One right now, it's it's certainly scary. And uh, I just hope that um, it, it's easy to, th- I think, make sort of, sort of knee-jerk reactions to this, though, and go a little bit swing a little bit too far the other way. Um, and, you know, when these are both really sort of freak accidents where one was a wheel and tire came off another car that was crashing, and in the case, in the case of uh, Henry Surtees, and, it, you know, it, it hit him and knocked him out, and that and, that, and then, you know, he didn't, you know, knocked out, he couldn't hit the brakes for the next corner, and that was just like the odds of all those things coming together were really, really small, and, of course, it just happened, and um, and it was just a terrible loss. Well, and, and, the then, thing, and then the Massa thing as well, like, the, you know, it's a spring bouncing around on the track. Yeah. What are the odds it's going to be in this, I mean, I guess the same location because uh, Rubens Barrichello would have been on the same driving line, but... It's like any different way that could have bounced, that could have happened differently, uh, and the timing had been in just a tiny bit different one way or the other. His line a little bit different one way or the other. So I guess we've seen near misses um, a fair amount of time, not usually with things bouncing on the track, but, you know, when there's debris and there's crashes, and we've seen, you know, one... Uh, well, I'm reminded of uh, Kubitz's crash a couple years back in Canada, yeah, or even where he had 75 Gs of deceleration uh, on his body, and he was fine. You know, yeah, he was out there to one race. week. Yeah. One, he missed one race. And, uh, and, and two, you know, we've seen... Um, I want to say I don't know if it was Bourdais flying over Coulthard or some of these. But I, I just remember yeah, sure. where a car, yeah, you know, yeah, one yeah. car flipping over upside down, passing over the roof of another car, you know, feet a couple feet away from the one guy's. I mean, it happens. Or Australia in 2008 when Verts, or maybe it was Australia 2007 when Verts um, went over the back of. Oh, I can't believe who I can't remember who it was, but it was very similar. Where yeah, it launched uh, the yeah missed him car. by a couple of yeah. inches. You know, yeah, and so. so we, these moments happen, and this just happened to happen in the wrong way. And, uh, you know, so our, our thoughts go out to um, both the Surtees family, obviously, for their loss. But then, you know, I, we hope that Felipe Massa will do, you know, continue to, to improve in his condition. And, um, you know, it's, he's he's in, you know, stable condition and all that. So yeah, early reports are good. that, you know, he had, uh, as Jim said, he had some surgery uh, for skull damage. He and, uh, and that was the day of the accident. And then the following morning he had a CT scan. And uh, everything is looking positive. Um, Massa is still a young guy. He's only 28 years old. He's very fit. All these things are going to go in his favor to help him have a potentially full recovery. It's a bit early to say if and when he's going to get back in a race car. But it does look like he is going to be okay. And we're definitely uh, thinking of him. And uh, I, I would say the one to get a little philosophical the one thing that's a little freaky about these two incidents is how similar they are in many ways you know debris coming off the track and knocking the guy out before they have an accident themselves and these are that to happen a week apart from each other yeah and these are different series and different cars and different tracks i mean it's really kind of bizarre how it all came to came together but but it's all connected to formula one i mean those f2 cars are built by 
the Williams team, the yeah. Williams Grand Prix team. And, and to their credit, they uh, they meet the current F1 safety standard, so it's not a case of it was some crappy car that, you know, everything went wrong and fell apart to. I mean, th- those cars are built to the rigorous standards, and I don't think you can build a completely safe device of any kind if it moves. There's, you know, some way, especially, you know, a Formula 1 car or any kind of a race car that yeah. you can say there's nothing that can happen that will, you know, injure the driver. I mean, there's just no way. So it's, it's I think, you know, we're just... Really, really bad luck, and uh, not nothing more than that. I mean, yeah. I don't think this is neglect on the part of the FIA or the part of F2 or Williams or anything like that. I mean, I think it's just those are the risks, and we, we kind of forget the risks of just really oddball things happening. But right, and it's, it's very serious. It but uh, they are going to launch an investigation of exactly what happened, what caused the incident, more or less what caused the spring to leave the car. And I think that's right that they should do that. If they can learn something from this, then that's great. Yeah. If there's a way to more... Uh, uh, to more um, robustly secure, you know, such pieces like that spring to the car, then that's all the better. And it's really bizarre. We've, I don't think I've ever seen a spring fall out of the back of a car before. That's the first, I mean, I in mean, any modern I mean, really, race of like any like we see, race, yeah. we see like wing end plates, you know, all the time, <laughs> you know, like little bits of carbon. Yeah, sure. Um, maybe even an exhaust, you know, come off, get loose and fall off or something like that. But like a spring, a pretty internal part of the rear suspension, for that to just... And it, and it pretty much just fell out of the back of Rubens' car. I mean, it was really yeah. kind of bizarre how that happened. So that's, I mean, I guess worth investigating. Although, uh, you know, the investigation of that is, isn't going to stop any other kind of freak thing from happening. I mean, right, strange things right. have happened even in Champ Car, you know, hitting a deer and, you know, these different things yeah, that, sure, sure. that can when happen. Cristiano so. DiMatteo. Yeah. In right. other news, uh, Max Mosley uh, said that he was going to stand down from the presidency and then say in turn that he was going to stand for re-election 15 times. Um, Bernie Ecclestone declared his love for 15, no, 17 different dictators, then retracted all of those. And the FOTA has launched three new series and then dropped all of those. But we don't care about any of that. It just doesn't matter. It's all stupid. Yeah. Let's I'm just hope for the drivers. Uh, let's uh, let's uh, all send our prayers and well wishes out to Felipe Massa and to the Surtees family. Indeed. Um, also, I want one quick note um, – for me personally, uh, I want to thank everyone for uh, their support in my solo uh, podcast last week. It was a bit rough, and uh, I, I do apologize for that, but uh, I, I appreciate everyone's well wishes. And I was upset that I didn't get a chance to mention that I had a very authentic German meal of Hassenpfeffer last week. And I'll tell you, it was quite good. Lots of bones in Hassenpfeffer. Hmm. It was a challenge to eat. Yeah, it was one of those meals where you feel like you're burning more calories than you're taking in from the work of getting the meat out. But anyway, so we were true to the authentic meal for the race, and uh, Hassenpfeffer was quite good. All right, yeah, I do not have a traditional German meal, but I guess for this weekend we can mention that uh, I, for breakfast, had something on the menu called the Budapest breakfast from this cool little European place that we'd never been to before. No, brand new for me as well. And I also had a Budapest breakfast. Yeah, it had paprikash and potato pancakes and some scrambled egg kind of contraption yeah. with scallions in it and a salad. And I had I mean, an artichoke salad. Yeah. And you had a cabbage and green salad. Summer, yeah. It was Very delicious. Nice. It was actually really good. I, I, I And a drink, something called or, orange or orange juice, juice. The juice of some sort of orange fruit. I'm not orange sure what it was. Orange yeah. juice. That was, that was I, crazy, too. But Yeah, I don't know how you guys So it was good that, stuff. Though. I hope the drivers are eating well in Hungary. I'm sure they are. But, uh, you know, that's that was 
uh, you know, just paprikash is good stuff. It was tasty, man. I almost went for the goulash. Yeah. But then the uh, waitress. goulash, though, just really doesn't sound. Well, see, the waitress said the paprikash was really popular there, so I said, well, you well, got to go with what's popular. Potato can- pancakes are good. You can't, you can't go wrong with potato pancakes, I don't think. All okay. right, shall we, shall we move on to qualifying? Yes, let's do that. And, I mean, <laughs> I guess I don't want to skip to the end of qualifying, but we had some – it, it was a confusing – Qualifying session. No, no, we um, can skip to the end because that was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Okay, timing and scoring broke. Um, First of all, this is 15 minutes after Massa has this massive accident. Yes. So qualifying was already stunted by, you know, this major occurrence. And then on, on top of everything else, with about, I don't know, 30 seconds to go in Q3, everyone's getting ready to put in their final fastest lap and find out who gets on pole. And there's a lot of contenders out there. Yeah, Rosberg was very strong. Nakajima was strong. Both McLarens. The McLarens were doing are, well. are back at it. Both yep. Red Bulls were doing well. Certainly, no one was counting on out the Braun cars. And uh, Renault was actually quite strong as well. Yep. With uh, you know behind the wheel with Fernando Alonso behind the wheel, but um, no one knew. Yeah, and it was it was. I mean, the U.S. commentator sort of just made a joke out of it, where he came across the start finish line. He's like, "Well, that might have been pole, and yeah. that looked okay too." And <laughs> who the heck knows? You know. And then, and so the drivers actually came as far as they went up to park for May, parked the cars, and got out, and they started just sort of telling each other their lap times. Well, you know what? I took I took a close look at it, and it really as it wasn't them talking to each other. It was Fernando Alonso coming up to every single person. Fernando Alonso was the instigator every kind of time. Yes. What was your time? Well, because he because everyone's got their own onboard telemetry, they know their they know their lap times from they their, own, their equipment. own time. Yeah. So and there was a, just a brilliant exchange between Fernando Alonso and Jensen Button, uh, where they kind of get out of the car like, hey, yeah, how's it going? Hey, what was your lap time? You know, Alonso, and uh, he's like, oh, one twenty two five is Jensen's time, and then and then you, we can just see the body language, and, and Alonso goes, oh, one twenty one five, huh? And, and Jensen Button's like, bloody hell, one twenty one five, and uh, you know the camera kind of went away from there. But, but then uh, Alonso came up to Hamilton, he came up to Vettel. Yeah, what was your time? What was your time? I mean, you'd be that'd be that's what you'd be doing too if you didn't know. You'd be like, dude, that was a flying. Freaking lap! That was great. So well, uh, indeed, uh, the Spaniard was the fastest one, and, and Fernando Alonso got the pole position. And there was good reason for that. He was the lightest car on the track by like twenty kilos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so that was Alonso's strategy. They went light, and they got the pole. So that was impressive to see. Right, and they had well, uh, that's more. That's for more talk for the race. So I'll forget that for now. Um, <laughs> but I mean, the other thing we mentioned was the McLarens. Are, are back, man. They're yeah, back yeah. on form. Like, uh, you know, they're fastest in Friday practice. I think it was first it was Kovalainen, and then it was Hamilton. I mean, they were right up there in practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Friday practice, too. It was a McLaren. And they were too. right. I mean, they were dicing with uh, with all the guys, uh, with the top guys, for, for you know, in the final qualifying session. So it was really pretty impressive as far as a return to form there. Um, Lewis Hamilton ended up fourth, and Heki Kovalainen sixth, which compared to what they've been doing is just outstanding. Yeah. And uh, last race weekend... Hamilton had some really bad luck with uh, uh, a down tire and stuff like that, so his performance didn't show the new speed of the car. But he had well because he was out be- because of the um, uh, the crash, right? I mean, because uh, yeah, he because of Sutil's crash and qualifying, right? And then they red flagged it, and then he didn't have time to get back out, and so just kind of the timing and everything was screwball. Or was that from two weeks ago? Two races ago? Yeah, that was two races ago. I don't man, last I missed race, a race. Yeah, I get all busy drinking champagne. You now. know, no last race Hamilton had a great run. He was uh, something like fifth to first. Uh, in the opening stages of the race, but then Weber came across and cut his tire yeah. right as they went down in the turn one. He had a flat tire. He had a pit in the first lap. He ended up 18th and a lap down soon after that, and his race was basically done. That was last weekend. This weekend, um, he uh, – so. but the point I was getting to was that 
he had a bunch of new parts on the car last weekend, which Kovalainen didn't have. And the result was qualifying, you know, Hamilton was, uh, you know, in the top five qualifying and, you know, Kovalainen qualified at 16th or something. Yeah. And Kovalainen also got the new parts for this race. And uh, wasn't and, able to keep up with his teammate. And what but, good new parts they are, though, man. I mean, yeah, it, but it made a huge yeah. difference for them both to be in Q3, 4th, and 6th, like you said. I mean, that's 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 um, that's solid. And, you know, Hecky has a little bit of a fire under his uh, – from his arse, from, the, uh, from his team saying, hey, it's um, time, time to step it up. Start getting some results. Um also want to mention at the other end of the grid, uh, we have a newcomer, a brand-new rookie. As we, yeah, I think I'll let you go and, uh, and say that name. A little bit uh, about last week. The Sebastian Bourdais is out. And uh, Jaime Alguersari, or thereabouts. Um, He's we're, Catalan- Catalunian. We're going to call him J.A. And <laughs> Ja. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, He's Catalunian, and they have a special pronunciation. And, and, uh, and we are not work, from that it. region of Spain, yeah, we'll, we'll so we don't know. Um, but, yeah, so... Um, brand new driver in the car, um, 19 years old, 125 yeah. days, something like that. Qualified, yeah. So he became the youngest to qualify in an F1 car, uh, youngest to race in an F1 car. He qualified 19th, which you know you're not expecting a huge amount out of him. There was a there was a period of time there where it's possible he wouldn't be last, um, but then Sutil ended up making a lap and whatever, yeah. so it was okay. So he did start last. I mean, he actually qualified 20th because. Even with Mal- uh, Massa's incident, Massa still out qualified him. Right, because that was in Q2 when that yeah, happened. Yeah. So yeah, so you know. He did. He did qualify last, but you know that's par for the course, I guess, for the STRs right now. With you know, it's, who's to <laughs> say it's any worse than Bourdais would have done? And uh, and you know, did a, a solid performance. I mean, he didn't get in anybody's way. He didn't cause any crashes in qualifying, anything like that. So um, you know, a solid performance for the first time out. Yeah. And th- with no previous you know F1 real experience, um, to be able to do that is was good stuff. No F1 cornering experience. Yeah, anyway. straight line experience only. Which and with uh, you know, it it also puts a lot of these uh, you know little worries to bed. There was a little bit of controversy. You know, the different F1 drivers, including Mark Webber, saying. I'm not sure this is the best idea. He's really young. He doesn't have any t- experience in the car, and he's being jumped, you know, just thrown into a race. Um, you know, some people came to his defense, uh, including Sebastian Vettel, in fact, and um, I thought it was a bit overblown myself. F1 cars are the fastest, you know, best handling cars in the world. But, you know, he was coming from, you know, another, you know, I think it was a World Renault series. And if it's the car I'm thinking of, that's a, it's a 500-horsepower serious downforce car yeah it's 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 not an f1 car but it's not like it's not like he's been racing go-karts and now he's jumping into the thing i mean it's it's not completely out of this world for him he it's yeah so. and curiously he was um he raced at hungary earlier this year too so he's got the most recent experience of the hungaro ring which you know would have been interesting if that really boosted him up to like 12th spot or something could have been kind of cool so you know it's that's got to at least help his case a little bit and uh, and and yeah, I mean the biggest difference uh, they're saying, you know, of F one compared to these other series is, is simply the length of the race. I mean, a Grand Prix um, at you know seventy laps here in Hungary. Um, yeah, is you're a, usually going hour and twenty, hour and a half. Yeah, in terms of time, eighty to ninety minutes. And you know, which I don't know how long the uh, you know the Renault races are and so on, but you know, yeah, the, I mean, think even the GP two races are fifty, fifty five minutes. Yeah, so and I can't imagine the Renault races probably much more than 45 50 minutes maybe more like half an hour yeah and you know that's pretty typical usually the lower feeder series are more like sprint races there's no refueling or yeah. anything like that and um and so it's two things right you're going longer and the forces you're putting on your body are higher yes so is double fold um 
But uh, back to the front, uh, it was Sebastian Vettel being second fastest in qualifying. He was just ahead of his teammate Mark Webber. So it was a Red Bull 2-3 in qualifying. And then that was, then it was as we said before, Lewis Hamilton in fourth. But Nico Rosberg qualifying fifth in the Toyota. That yeah, actually getting a, getting more and more consistent. Getting a reasonable result, yeah, in the Williams Toyota. Um, getting a reasonable qualifying result, not just reasonable practice and, and then falling apart in qualifying. It's good for him there. Heike Kovalainen, like we mentioned, in sixth. Kimi in seventh and the, in the lone Ferrari entry. And then which Jens- isn't bad. And then Jensen Button down in eighth, though, man. The bronze were struggling. And, and so Barrichello ended up, uh, he qualified 13th. Um, he had that spring failure in Q2 and was never, you know, couldn't quite put a lap together and wasn't doing amazingly before that either. So um, there's very good chance that Rubens would, in fact, have made it into Q3. Yeah. Had something not been terribly wrong with but his But, I mean, car. with Jensen only an eight, it's not like he would have been pole. I mean, it's right. they, they no, had some true. graining issues that they just did not expect. And but the last couple of events, you know, Rubens has been the stronger qualifier. Sure. Um, but, yeah, so Sebastian Buemi, um, and then this is tricky because this list I have takes Massa out of the equation. So Kaz Nakajima in ninth, um, qualified there at fair and square. Um, and Sebastian Buemi was actually 11th, Jarno Trulli 12th, Rubens 13th, like we mentioned, um, Timo Glock, Nelson Piquet, Nick Heidfeld. I mean, Nick Heidfeld and Kubica were 16th and 19th. Yeah, I, BMW's I, I got, think at this point, got some issues. You know, because you've been hearing a lot of different teams, including Ferrari and McLaren, saying, well, we're getting about to the time we're going to scrap the 2009 car and just focus on the 2010 car. Now that they finished 1-2 in this race, that they might change their tune a little bit. I mean, Ferrari's actually third in the Constructors' Championship right now. Uh, McLaren has an excellent chance to start clawing their way forward again. Uh, so there's a real fight there for them. BMW, I think, almost certainly at this point is going to give up on this year's car. They're, they're yeah, getting. I, I hope they. I hope they will for their sake. I mean, goodness. And okay. You know, so that that's a shame. But uh, you know, I I also want to mention. Um, oh shoot, what did I want to mention? I wanted to mention something. But uh, what were you going to say, Jim? I was going to say that that's all for qualifying. Let's get into the race. <laughs> maybe that's maybe it's that is all for qualifying. How about how about that? After a Saturday replete with concern and confusion, Fernando Alonso and the rest of the F1 grid sought to both physically and emotionally put that behind them as they queued up for the Hungarian Grand Prix. And despite three courage-equipped cars in strong positions, the Spaniard leapt from pole position into an early lead. Both Kimi and Hamilton made good use of their electric assistance to improve position. The Ferrari from 7th to 4th, and Hamilton up to 2nd and 5th but only briefly as Weber regained the position in turn two. The final Kurz-equipped car of Kovalainen managed to do no more than retain his sixth place. Sebastian Vettel and his Red Bull chassis got the worst of the start, being pushed back to seventh place and damaging the car in the process. On just the second lap, Adrian Sutil brought his Force India chassis into the pits with a water pump issue, day done. On the other side of luck, Lewis Hamilton was absolutely flying, and managed to pass Mark Webber on lap 5 to start chasing down Alonso in the lead. On lap 12, Alonso made his first pit stop from the lead and re-entered in ninth. Sadly, just a few corners later, Alonso found himself one taco short of a combination plate. And by taco, I mean a right front wheel. And by combo plate, I mean the four wheels and tires necessary for a vehicle to properly roll across the pavement. He pitted the next lap for a fresh set of rubber, properly torqued. But just five laps later, Alonso was back in the pits and out of the car. 
Meanwhile, Hamilton was a rocket in his Mercedes-powered McLaren. He pitted for the first time on lap 20 and regained his lead after all the frontrunners cycled. Perhaps more surprisingly, Kimi Raikkonen cycled to second place, the strongest showing for the Finn all season. On lap 28, Sebastian Vettel, already having a bad race, complained that the car was broken. This led to a long pit stop for a new nose and regular service. Unfortunately, that wasn't enough. Vettel drove to the garage nose first two laps later. And it wasn't until lap 47 of the 70 lap race that Hamilton came in for his second service, staying in front all the while. And indeed, no one could match the impressive Brit as Lewis Hamilton wins the Hungarian Grand Prix. This is McLaren's first win this season and a huge morale boost for the struggling powerhouse. And believe it or not, the Iceman also manages to hang on for second place, his best performance of the season as well. To round out the podium, Mark Webber came off his debut win with a solid third place finish and overtakes his teammate Sebastian Vettel for second in the Drivers' Championship. For the second race in a row, the well-dressed German Nico Rosberg finished fourth in his Williams. He was followed by Heki Kovalainen collecting four points in the newly winged McLaren. Timo Glock grabbed sixth place for Toyota, leaving only two points for championship leader Jensen Button, who finished seventh. And Yarno truly scooped up one point for his efforts, finishing eighth. Jim, is McLaren back? I really think they are. I mean, they actually were surprised by the pace. Hamilton says the car feels amazing to drive. He said, you know, it's totally transformed. And he um, said in an article, he's, we didn't expect to win this weekend. You know, it's, uh, he hasn't won since the Chinese Grand Prix last year. And, uh, you know, going through the season, that he says that just feels like forever. Um, you know, without a win and with having, you know, real sure. real poor results with all the rule changes and with the domination of the Braun well, I mean, cars. he's the reigning world champion. Yeah, and to be, you know, languishing in the back, he only had nine points up this far in the year. Um, and so sort of to come back and have a race win, it's just got to be huge for them. I mean, it really transforms the attitude and everyone working in the team. Um, you know, and, and so, the, but they, you know, as these guys always say, you know, this means we have to continue to push, though. This doesn't mean, okay, cool, we're set now. You know, everyone else is still pushing. Uh, but I really think uh, both Hamilton and Kovalainen, uh, you know, are, the, the McLaren car seems to have just been really transformed. And uh, whatever they did worked because that's, you know, well, just seemed like great they, for them. It seemed like they changed the philosophy of uh, the aerodynamics of the car entirely. They were talking about how they were trying to make the front ring work and get more and more grip out of the front, and uh, that was what they were ultimately doing was just disturbing the air to the back of the car, and they completely changed the uh, the design of the front wing to allow more air to get to the back of the car, and it just made the balance of the car transform and uh, give them the rear grip they needed in the, you know, and, and maintain the front grip they needed. So they also did some work on the undertray and a whole bunch of other stuff. So it, 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 they really turned this thing around, which is fantastic for them. But I think... What's really fascinating, and in in my mind this is just wonderful, is that there's lots of teams that are running quite well. Yeah, I, I mean, mean the, the Browns have really fallen apart in the last couple of races, and today they had mostly tire graining issues, which is rare for them. I mean, it, before it was a t- track was too cold, and now it's sort of it's too warm, and they're graining the tires, and so they've got some. But it wasn't even that warm. Some today. issues to to balance out. Yeah. yeah, they 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 need to sort something out. But. For sure. um, you know, this also actually is the first Kurz-equipped car, you know, the first win for a Kurz car, um, uh-huh. you know, mm-hmm. because none of the Ferraris mm-hmm. have won this year, and uh, so far none of the McLarens had either. So, 
Um, not that that's necessarily here's a sea change because there's only four cars in Formula One with curves these days. I think BMW's given up on the system, and I doubt anyone else is going to develop yeah, for Renault that because gave it, up on it. I think it goes away uh, yep. next year. But um, you know that's interesting in itself. I do think that helped as part of the advantage. But I guess the car around it though is just outstanding. Um, so, but yeah, I mean the the fact that it could have been it could have been Weber. Um, you know, it could have been. Uh, you could know, have been Kimi, Weber, it could have been Alonso at the beginning. I mean, I don't think he would have won, but he had really, really good pace, and his strategy was starting to work. I mean, sometimes we see these guys that'll be really light um, at the start, and then they just don't pull away, or something happens in traffic, and they get stuck behind someone, and the whole thing just goes, goes falls apart. But um, Alonso was pulling away um, quite well from Mark Weber, but once Lewis Hamilton got around Weber, he really he was yeah. starting to reel him in, and so I think Alonso could have come second, yep. maybe third. I would I would say second is the highest. I would say second was the best he could um, hope for. But I mean, third or fourth spot would have been great, and of course, you know that he ended up having the wheel failure and all that. But the taco, um, the taco failure. Yeah, and uh, so it's. I mean, it's it's very cool to see Hamilton back, though. Just you know, as as I mentioned here, I'm a, I'm a fan, but uh, you know, I think it's. I think it's cool to see him back, and then also for Ferrari, for for Raikkonen to have um, a, a good result as well. I mean, that's that's like what four or five guys that could be right up there at yeah. the top. And I'm kind of assuming that the Braun cars, the the, the Braun guys, they'll figure something out. They'll they'll fix the problem. I mean, there's obviously they had. Um, I don't think they just got lucky with their uh, pace at the beginning of the year. I think there's some really good engineering going on there, and you know, good driver feedback from both some veteran drivers and all that. So, um, I think they'll be able to get their pace back and and you know continue to be successful. But man, they've had some pretty weak weekends for points scoring sure, lately. Sure. And I mean, let's take a look. I mean, Williams is definitely nipping at the bud. Rosberg has been scratching at the front. You know, he's you know second. He had a fifth place finish. Uh, in Britain, then a fourth place finish in Germany, and then again a fourth place finish here. He's um, been qualifying stronger. I mean, a few races ago, they talked about how they don't understand why they're so fast in Friday practice and then suffer in qualifying in the race. They said, we need to rethink how we handle Friday practice. They did that. They've done more race distance testing and stuff like that, and I, I, it, sh- I, it really shows, and they've, they've come up with a good strategy. They keep developing the car. It's become a strong car. Yeah, if they get a little lucky, or if they come up with another nice improvement, that could that could be a race winning car. Uh, Nico Rosberg certainly has the capability to get on the podium. But then here again, Toyota—they've been kind of hot and cold, but they were pretty hot today. They had they had a chance to be um, on the podium. Yeah, they had strong. some poor starts though. I mean, these—I don't know. They, it's like it's like it's always something. It's either there's a, a mishap in traffic during qualifying yep. and, they, and they have a bad day, or uh, you know, like like this time it seemed to be they just kind of didn't have good starts and then of course you can just lose so many positions and it's just so hard to claw those spots back but uh yeah i mean they they both got points today which is good but but even um, if you rule out let's if you rule out williams and uh even if you rule out williams and toyota you've still got potential race winners in mclaren ferrari red bull braun and renault that's five teams that seem to be running pretty darn well that's it's incredible it's half the teams yeah i mean that's that's great um we have to talk about though during the start. Um, there were a couple, a couple little moments. Oh um, yes, Raikkonen and Vettel. Where and and unfortunately, due to all the copyright restrictions and everything, there's not like an easy way to just review this clip online. Um, which would be great if we could just sort of to watch it as we're talking about it. But Are you listening, Bernie? Yeah, really. Um, I hope he's not because I think F1 show infringes on his trademark. Yeah, so I, yeah. Okay. Forget about that, Bernie. Thanks. <clears throat> um, but uh, so and it's. The the end result it was it was classified as a racing incident. I think it was the right thing to do, but um, I mean basically they're just in the whole dicing that happens in the start, and especially with Ferrari um, with with uh, Raikkonen in his car um, having Kurs, um, you've got to do quite a bit of 
you know, navigating through the maze of traffic and cars in front of you. Um, and he just kind of he ended up getting into Sebastian Vettel. It was like this sort of this little side, little corner to corner right, contact. Sure. It was the, I think it was I don't know if it was uh, Vettel's wing, uh, the very tip of it, or if it was suspension. But I guess it was left front suspension. Um, and it wasn't. I don't, you know, and I guess the stewards agreed. It didn't look like anything intentional from Kimi. It um, was definitely a lot more ambiguous than last race weekend. Yeah, Web- Weber's Weber move and, was was and pretty. Yeah, it was pretty like I'm going along, and all of a sudden, bam! You know, yeah, I'm gonna right. go and you know knock you over to the side or whatever. And this uh, just seemed like you know there was X amount of real estate and Y amount of cars, and, and they, something had. Yeah, to they both kind of came around a slower car. I forget who it was now, and then they just both kind of wanted to occupy the same space at the same time. So um, they didn't get a penalty. Um, I'm sure there's some conspiracy theorists that think that that's, you know, because FIA loves Ferrari and so on, but who knows. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it just kind of it sort of goes to show. I mean, uh, to be honest, as of late, that I don't I don't think that carries much weight anymore, seeing how... With Ferrari, well, where uh, they are, know, yeah. Luca de Montezello being, you know, a big, you know, the advocate for the FOTA going head-to-head against the FIA. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, Honestly, it, it was a much more ambiguous move than Mark Webber's was. Right. And I think we need to take it for face value there. But what's interesting is this kind of shows, I mean, that's the difference between the Kurs cars and the non-Kurs cars, that they can be going these really different speeds and they can get these kind of unexpected results where it's yeah. not like everyone accelerating the same rate. And that, and to me, is a, a good argument against the the whole budget cap two different series, kind of two different levels of regulations going at the same time. I mean, you could certainly have more problems if you've got two classes of cars, and presumably it wouldn't be like the first 10 guys are class A and the second 10 as far as qualifying. You know, you get some intermixing with faster drivers or getting lucky and whatever. So, I mean, I feel like there's just more of a potential for disaster. I mean, I guess there's a potential for good passing and so on too, but more of a potential for really different entry speeds and whole different braking points and all that that just could get into, you know, schmozzles. Well, yeah, well, you're talking about speed deltas, right? I mean, the difference between one speed and another, closing speeds and that type of thing, that can be more exciting passing, but just like you say, it can lead to more dangerous, twitchy maneuvers as people try to evade other cars. Yeah. And, you know, where do you draw the line? I'm not so sure. Uh, again, you know, Kurs is a failed idea because of the way it was written. I still think at its core, Kurs is a really great idea, but then they limit it to 80 horsepower, limit it to 6.7 seconds worth of lap and all this kind of nonsense, and the the piece still weighs 80 pounds or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's it was kind of doomed from the beginning, but at certain tracks and, you know, with enough development on the car, both Ferrari and McLaren are showing that it is uh, potentially uh, a help. Yeah. And especially... At the race start, and it was cool to see the onboard. We got enough onboard finally this time of of uh, Hamilton to see he used up the all all of the curves he had available for the entire lap, all six point six seconds of it in the uh, first like three turns. Yeah, I think it was even just entering turn two that it was gone. Yeah, I mean it was it was pretty uh, pretty dramatic, and but he he made it work. I mean that's I guess the the good news that having you know it's not quite a push to pass, but having the extra horsepower available is you can use it when you want it. And I'm sure they've they've worked out exactly where on the track probably you know getting on to mm-hmm. the fed the longest mm-hmm. straight you know sort of mathematically. Um, it's the longest time you can carry the highest speed, and, and you know you've got to get into a slow corner. And obviously, where's your best opportunity to pass the most cars at once? I right, mean, it's absolutely the beginning of the race. So it, I think in that case, it showed that the curves helped for some interesting passing and some good racing. Um, and he was able to, he he used it all up. But I don't think the weight penalty, because of course he's always carrying around the battery pack and the motor and all that stuff. Right. But the weight penalty didn't seem to really slow him down all that much for the rest of the lap. So and, that was. And there again, it's interesting. You know, is it because of the Hungaro ring where you know, 
with aerodynamics, all you're doing is fully cranking on the aerodynamics, and it's a little bit more about mechanical grip. And you get these opportunities to, you get these opportunities in a place that's really difficult to pass. If you have something like horsepower advantage, it really helps. Or is it a disadvantage to carry that 80 pounds around on a really tight track where mechanical grip is really important? I mean, this is a fascinating exercise for whether the curves is a good or a bad thing. Yeah. But I think in terms of actual actual lap pace, it's arguable. But in terms of racing strategy, it's a it's a it's a valuable tool. Yeah, and it's tough because like well, Mark Weber had the fastest lap, and it was five laps to go in the end. He had a one twenty one nine three one was the fastest racing lap. So. You could look at that and say, okay, well, the Kurz cars clearly aren't faster on a single lap. I mean, maybe strategically it gives them advantages to give them power in certain spots to make a pass. But, you know, ultimately the fastest driver on track during the race today was a non-Kurz car and Mark Webber with the Red Bull. But at that point, Lewis Hamilton had enough of a lead that he didn't have to push hard to, you know, to get fastest lap. There's no points awarded for fastest lap, mm-hmm. which I think there could be and could be good. But um, it's... You know, so there's no we don't get a direct comparison. We have to infer what we can from seeing the action on track, and it's you know there's differences in cars and differences in drivers, and no longer do we have differences in two tire compounds. Although that was another variable that was kind of interesting before. Um, so we have to infer what we can from from what we see, and uh, it, but it does look like uh, at least at this track, um, you know, the, the engineers sort of did their maths right and got the you know got the upgrades on the car working really really well and uh you know used curves to their advantage yeah and yeah. it's is you know just i think it's sort of cool to see that i want to talk about nelson k okay um he qualified it was my pick for first wasn't he? <laughs> he 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 was we'll talk about that later. no actually he, i i believe he was i don't know if i put him on pole for you or first but either way it wasn't the best choice jim i mean with hindsight as yeah your, yeah as your guy anyway he qualified 15th for the uh, race today, uh, his teammate qualified. Hmm, let's see here. Ah, yeah, pole. Um, that's a bit of a discrepancy. That's that a time. little bit of a discrepancy. Uh, it was reported that uh, his services may not be needed after Hungary. That his position on the team was secure for Hungary, but not necessarily beyond that. Uh, his race finished today. I have to say was not that much better. 12th spot. 12th spot to finish. Uh, 71.5 seconds behind the leader. He was, uh, you know, a few seconds away from getting lapped. I think it's time to move on. Yeah. We've talked about this for a while. I mean, Bourdais got the boot, and we liked him, and, he, you know, every once in a while he'd show promise, but overall couldn't deliver. But, I mean, come on, Nelson Piquet. Yeah. Yikes. I mean, if we're talking about Kovalainen getting the boot, yeah, then Nelson definitely should already have gotten the boot. <laughs> I, so, it, it, so, you know, and Kovalainen, again, he, he did kind of turn it up. He, he found that extra motivation to say, no, I really want to be in the sport. Nelson may have as well, but I just, it's just not there. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, once we get started talking about people getting booted and switching teams and so on, um, we have to talk about, okay, so Alonzo, um, you know, we mentioned he had the, he was real light, got the pole position, started pulling away, and then Hamilton was catching up to him. Um, comes in for his first pit stop, and uh, his his was it his left front or his right front? His his right front guy um, doesn't put the you know doesn't get the wheel tightened all the way back on. And what's interesting is that they kind of it, it looked like from the pit stop um, the guy knew the wheel wasn't seated. Um, he was trying to get it just at the last second. Yeah, trying to get it just right, and then and then the chief mechanic let the car go into the pit lane. Um, and, and go out on track, and then he started having, you know, he was driving real slowly. We saw that the uh, 
the air inlet flap, you know, the carbon bit that's uh, which wheel shroud um, was was rotating. That helps direct air yeah. from the brake, the air from the brake rotor off out into the car. Right, it is. Yeah. and and so that on its own isn't a big deal. I mean, if the wheel is on, but the uh, but the shroud is rotating, you know, okay, you're not getting the advantage of that airflow, but it's not really going to slow you down. But Alonzo was clearly off the pace, so we figured, oh, you know, something else must be wrong here. Um, and then, you know, most of the, so he's got to get all the way back around the lap to get into the pits. And uh, before he could do that, the uh, the wheel and you know, right front wheel ended up coming off the car, which is it's weird on a number of levels. I mean, partly that there was enough miscommunication, or I guess they were probably so excited because he was you know in first place in the race, and everyone's hustling a little bit, and, and it was to make critical it, for him to have fast pit yeah, stops, a to really quick that. stop. Yep. Um, they just made it a little too quick. Um, but I mean, this is. You know, Alonso had a wheel, a loose wheel nut, exactly the same issue in Hungary in 2006, yep. and that was that race that Jensen Button ended up winning. It was a yep. crazy race in itself, um, and uh, it's just like, I mean, it, it's got to be so frustrating for Alonso because that that was not his fault at all, and uh, to to go out and do that. But the result of that, though, is that after the race. Um, the FIA met and actually had to meet about the the Raikkonen incident with Vettel. They had to meet about. Um, Something else with Weber, I thought, too. Yeah, there was an issue with, with uh, we'll get to that in a second, yeah. with Weber and the pit stops and when he came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The pits, yeah. That's right. Um, but then also, so the FIA had plenty to work through today, but uh, they ruled that that uh, Renault knowingly put that car back on track, sort of, you know, they, they should have waited longer. They were unsafe in uh, letting that car go back on track with the wheel loose. And because, like we just talked about earlier in the show, you know, a, a loose wheel is a serious safety concern. Now, the odds of that happening, you know, of, of everything is are obviously really, really small. But as these past events have shown, strange, really freak things do happen. And uh, I think that's a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction because, it's, you know, to, to ban – and so the punishment was to disqualify them from the next Grand Prix, from the European Grand Prix, which happens to be in Valencia, Spain, which Alonso's home, home country. Race, yes. And it's – you know, there's all kinds of uh, concerns there. Um, so the team Renault is banned from from that race, and which yeah the team made the issue, but ultimately they're really really you know they're punishing Alonso in a big way for something that was not his fault in any way. So as the driver, he must be really really frustrated, and if he's already contemplating a move to a different team, I mean has been widely rumored on anyway that he's heading um, to uh, Ferrari. Yeah, then you know it's. And, and now Ferrari has an open seat because Massa's in the hospital and recovering. Potentially. You know. We don't know yet. We don't know yet, but it's, it's I mean, it raises a lot of questions, and uh, it's, you know, that's sort of interesting to think about, I guess. Um, but then you also wonder if this has anything to do with um, Flavio Briatore has been sort of the, you know, leading the charge against the FIA with all those FOTA right, negotiations. Sure. And are, is the FIA thing like, oh, well. You know, this in, in light of recent incidents, I mean, it's it's once when you have safety on your side, it's like any law that that someone proposes that says, you know what, this is well, to protect this, the children. And you the can't argue thing, against that. On top that. of this, it's timing too. I mean, this incident of the wheel flying off the car during the race comes the day after one of the top uh, F1 drivers is struck in the head by debris off the track, and a week after, someone is killed from a wheel and tire coming off the track. And I have to, I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit here. I don't think no one thinks that it was intentional uh, by Renault to uh, send the car off with a loose wheel, but it was abundantly stupid. I mean, yeah, but the question is, what's going to make those guys think twice or think three times or whatever it takes to give it that extra hundredth of a second of wait, you know, wait, no, I'm not ready, you know, I, this, I guess. The guy who's doing, you know, on each corner of the car with each wheel nut has to realize that what he's doing 
is potentially a life or death situation. And I guess that's ultimately what the FIA is trying to get across is to make these guys really, really think about, okay, if I don't, you know, if I signal that this car is ready with my one hand while I'm still trying to tighten it down on the wheel nut with my other hand, that could be a, a disaster. Yeah. And that could mean, the ex, uh, you know, the, the disqualification of my team from the next race. That could mean someone gets injured, someone gets killed. I mean, yeah. they, they have to get fit that in someone's head. And the question, I guess, is, is penalizing them by disqualifying them from the next Grand Prix a suitable reaction to, to what yeah. happened? I mean, it, and it's, it's one of these things where sometimes we'd see a fine in this case. Oh, they were fined 30 million euros. Or but, I mean, again, I, I don't think a fine would do anything. I mean, you know. I, I'm I'm having a little hard time saying that this was overdone. I don't know. I think it was awfully awfully stupid to let the car go out that way. And of course, no one did you know no one did that no one did that on purpose. No one you know, and, and mistakes do happen. You're never going to fully you know safeguard from things like that. But at the same time, I, I something serious needs to come as a result of that. that I think. The truth of the matter is what needs to happen is whatever the punishment is, it needs to be consistent. I mean, but we've seen, like, you know, drivers coming into the pit and knocking people over, like, coming too fast. And, you know, we've seen um, the lollipop guy lifting the lifting the lollipop to and, – and then the fuel rig is still attached and people get knocked over. Fires sure. happen. People sure. get dragged down the pit lane. And none of those have resulted in – uh, in in you know suspensions from the next race, you know sure. there have been inquiries. There have been people that have been fired. They've been you know had to reorganize things. They say you can't use you know like the Ferrari when they had their electronic lighting system instead of the lollipop, and they, they tested and that had some issues, and they went back. I mean, they, there are ways I think to correct problems that don't involve banning someone from a race, and I feel like that affects the championship and the driver well beyond this guy who made the mistake, and well beyond you know what this guy's doing in the team. That sure. I guess I'm not sure what the answer is, but I feel like I feel like banning them from the next race, um, and then and I guess that means that um, you know Nelson Piquet won't have to won't be able to ride either, you know won't be able to drive either, and that's you know I guess it's the same pit guys on both cars, but it's like his whole you know his engineer and his whole team support staff or whatever sure. for him are like they have to sit out because of something that they had nothing to do with at all, and I mean it's got to be so frustrating for the drivers. Yeah. So I, I guess I, I don't, don't know I don't I like it, but what are you going to do? It's it's pretty harsh penalty. I mean just. To go back to what we were talking about with the spring, uh, uh, having a 1,600-pound force when it hit Massa, well, I mean, force is mass times acceleration, right? Well, think of the same acceleration, but instead of a mass of a pound and three quarters, you have a mass of what? 40 pounds? Yeah, 50 pounds? although... I mean, so... It's a squishy rubber tire, and, you know, more likely well, if it hits a car, it's going to bounce off. And I mean, people have... Pe- wheels have gone flying in the past many times, and Certainly. sometimes with disastrous results, and sometimes not. My point is, is that it is a potentially very dangerous situation, and of all those incidents, tightening a wheel, uh, wheel lug nut should be one of the most basic things. I'm not saying I disagree with you. I'm just saying the other side of the argument... I think deserves some credibility here in terms of, you know, well, well, how do you, how do you manage this? I, I personally don't think a fine really does get to the heart and soul of the problem. And well, speeding in, the p- speeding in the pit lane could be a disastrous result. I mean, you could argue that going too fast when there's cl- people in close, you know, in, in proximity there, and um, you know, there's issues. There's a lot of things that they've been fined for in the past where it's, I guess. Like always, we want some level of consistency. Right, and more I think that's above, the thing. above anything else. If you're going to do this, use that as precedence, or look to other precedents and say, "This is how we penalize in the past. This is the penalty." Yeah, you know, and I think that's that's definitely where we can agree that 
whatever they do, just don't don't have it be a unique decision every time. Yeah. The, the idea of precedence exists for a reason, and uh, so hopefully we can do that. Let's let's move on from that. Though. Yes. Well, the the bottom line, the end, the takeaway from that. Um, is that the Renault has appealed the decision, and because everyone's on break for four weeks now, it's possible that they'll actually be able to race in Valencia, and then in the in the week after that, but before Italy, um, they may be able, to, they may, you know, work out exactly what the penalty should be. So it's possible that the penalty may be delayed if the appeal is overturned, you know, if if the appeal is uh, denied, and it's possible that the, you know, the I'm sure Renault is going to do what they can to have Fernando Alonso racing in Spain, because. Yeah. Um, as great as it is to have a, you know, a second Spanish driver and Jaime Alguersari, um, and I'm sure the Spanish fans will be behind him as well, um, Alonso is obviously the superstar, and for what that's worth for you know ticket sales and everything else, let alone just kind of the attitude of all the fans who've been sort of more, more so than a lot of countries against the other guys, especially against Hamilton and yeah, against the yeah, other yeah, sure, sure, the sure. non-Alonso guys. I mean, a lot of places you go, everyone's for their local guy, but Spain, more than more than the other races, as far as I can tell, are really kind of anti-everyone who's not Alonso. So right, right, right. Um, I think that could be a really sort of a bad situation if that ends up happening where um, their, their main guy can't be there and the whole team doesn't even have a presence. Mark Webber, yes. in his first pit stop, uh, had an issue with the <coughs> fuel rig coming out of the car. It wasn't exiting. And the uh, lollipop guy um, raised the lollipop, immediately put it back down. And they actually, everyone reacted very quickly. And Weber started to move and stopped, probably didn't move more than a foot. And they did manage to get the fuel rig completely out of the car. The lollipop that guy then proceeded to immediately let Weber out of the pits. The problem with that is he let Weber out into the pits immediately into Kimi Raikkonen's path as he was entering into the pits. I mean, right on top of each other. Again, Weber, both Weber and Raikkonen had very good reaction time. They missed each other, and uh, everyone went along their merry way. And maybe, I don't know, maybe Raikkonen was also exiting the pits, not entering, I don't remember. Uh, but uh, that was the other issue that uh, Red Bull was being scrutinized for. Uh, and I, I guess it, it goes to a bigger point that Rebel just had a bad day. They they didn't seem you know they didn't seem to be as organized as before. Vettel ran into some bad luck. Um, they had some issues in the pit stops. Um, the communication just wasn't quite there. It wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a, a superstar performance. Certainly nothing that Christian Horner should be proud of. Uh, it was a lot of little things, and like some of it was just dumb luck. But uh, Red Bull. Uh, I think is probably just to soon forget about this weekend. Yeah, it's one of those where something goes wrong, in this case, you know, with the fuel rig, and then in the scramble to get everything put back together quickly, okay, as soon as that's fixed, I'm going to let my guy go. And that was the issue is, that, you know, if everything goes to plan, I think they're doing, they do fine. Um, but it's the same kind of issue with, with, you know, Renault and the wheel nut. It's like everyone's scrambling so fast and a little bit faster than usual that it's just easy to make a little mistake. And, uh, yeah, so that was the deal. I mean, Good, good job, Weber. Because as soon as you know he's surrounded by people that are standing up and much, much taller. I mean, his his eyes are what eighteen inches off the ground as he sits in a Formula One car. And so as he pulls out, you know, he could, probably the first he could see um, the car in front of him or the car beside him of Kimi Raikkonen was like as he's right there. So he did a really good job to react and uh, and you know correct the car and, and and not plow into the side of Kimi Raikkonen because that also could have been bad taking sure. taking them both sure. out of the race. Um, but, uh, yeah, just a disappointing day for them. And uh, and a disappointing day for the Braun cars, too. I mean, those guys just don't have it figured out. Uh, but of big of the biggest disappointments, I mean, 
I, I've got to mention BMW. Those, I mean... Well, that's not a disappointment anymore. That's just not how a, they are. But, I mean, the team is a disappointment, not oh, even the God, weekend. It's I mean, just insane. I mean, they are not as quick as Force India. Yeah, and they, I mean, they had a this choice statement. They said, oh, traffic was to blame for our poor performance today. Yeah. What? Yeah. I mean, I guess you know, when you're at the back, there are a lot of guys in front of you, sure. Yeah, unbeknownst to us, uh, the... Uh, the uh, BMW Sauber guys ended up on the interstate instead of the racetrack. Yeah, and I mean, what the bad traffic? I mean, BMW has got to be looking at this. I mean, I guess the, the the classic comparison is Honda looked at their you know what they were spending and what they were getting and decided, okay, screw it, we're done with F1. Um, but BMW, you know, it's a big company. Um, they've got lots of resources. They've got um, you know one race winning driver in Robert Kubica, and they've had. Solid performances with the car. I mean, just last year, you know, they were they were doing well. They've had a couple of times this year where they're like, oh, they look pretty good. But uh, they were leading the drivers' championship for a while uh, last year. Yeah, that's right. And uh, and it's just, you know, Nick Heidfeld, uh, what finished eleventh, starting fifteenth, and that's you know with three drivers out of the race. I mean, here's what's more, most striking about BMW Sauber. It's not even that they're so far back. It's just that they were so good last year. They mm-hmm. were making progress, and they were fast at the beginning of this of. They're beginning of the year this year. They're the only team that's gotten absolutely nowhere from the beginning. I'm like, I'm Force India builds a faster car than BMW Sauber right now. Yeah, it's not a joke. And the beginning of the race, the beginning of the season, Kubica was racing for second in Australia. Yeah, it's it's really bad. <laughs> I mean, they're just Mario Thiessen. You know, for our team, this was a race without anything significant happening. Which sort of says it right there. It's not like, wow, what a disappointing day. We were really hopeful. Right. We had a lot of upgrades. This is kind of like, yeah, uh, we started poorly. We finished a little bit better, but still I poorly. I think it's just, uh, for them, it's just a matter of grinning and bearing it and just trying to move on to 2010 and get 2010 right. And I hope that they do um, because I think a lot of boardroom you know, executives and stuff are looking at what they're spending on F1. And, I mean, they're a German team. They're really big in Europe. Uh, you know, just having uh, – you know, BMW obviously has has ultimate driving machine and everything else that they market the cars as. I don't know if they say they have to be in Formula One in the way that Ferrari has to be in Formula One. Yeah. So it's certainly a lot you know I, less likely that they'll quit like Honda did or like Toyota might yeah, or something like they're, that. They're probably going to stay. And but uh, still, BMW I mean, Sauber has been one of the biggest proponents of saying we've got to get back to North America. And BMW sells more cars in North America in, in the United States than anywhere else by a big margin, including their home country. So they want. They want to be in the States, so if there's another Canadian Grand Prix and a U.S. Grand Prix, I think that will probably keep them there. I have a feeling that uh, I have a feeling that they're they seem pretty committed, and I think if they started if these dismal seasons started piling up, they might start rethinking their decision really quickly. But they, they'll be back for 2010. I think they're just going to ride this out and try to have a a better car for next year. But I, I, I do want to say the interesting thing about the Braun car is Button is convinced, Jen, Jensen Button's convinced that something's going wrong with the Braun car. It's not just that the other cars have caught up and surpassed them. He says they're having tire graining issues that they haven't had before and that they're having problems with the rear. There's something wrong with the car. It's slower than it used to be. And he says Braun has to fix this quickly. And uh, I think there is some evidence of that. The, the last couple of races it was unusually cold and that was an excuse for that car for some reason um but now i mean 
Hungary was a little bit colder than they expected, but it was still in the high 70s. The track temperature was over 110 degrees. It certainly wasn't cold by any reasonable standard. Yeah. And uh, they still had tire degradation issues. So uh, they need, I think Button's right in the sense that they, they do need to sort that out. So it'll be interesting to see. It, it's kind of crazy how quickly everyone is. I mean, the tightness of the of the grid is fantastic. Yeah. So uh, it, it is quite interesting. But uh, I don't know. I I do think I do think that's about that for the race. That is well. There's a couple of things for the future. Um, so the que- there's a, a couple questions here. Um, Felipe Massa, I, I'd be really surprised if he were back in the car. Um, for at least a couple of races. I know there's four weeks, and that's a long time, and we've seen, you know, Mark Webber get back from breaking his leg to, you know, to the racing Australia, and it's, there's some, some things that happen that are pretty amazing as far as, you know, what modern healthcare and these drivers can do. But um, I really think with the kind of surgery, and, I mean, the fact that he's in an induced coma right now and all that, I'd be very, very surprised to see Massa back in the car. So there's some question as to who's going to be in the second Ferrari. Um, and of all people, Nicky Lauda, former Ferrari driver, has come out with all kinds of words about this, um, which are just, I don't know, it's kind of weird. He's just, like, I don't know what he's done lately, but um, he's dismissed tar- Ferrari's test drivers, Luca Badur and Marc Genet, as useless. Um, <laughs> he says, I could drive the car better than, than you know, Sebastian Bourdais. They say, okay, well, he's the most recent F1 driver who doesn't have a drive right now. So I said, oh, well, what about Bourdais? He says, oh, he's like, man. I could drive better than that guy. He's a waste of time. There's no way Ferrari would even consider him when he couldn't perform in a Toro Rosso against Buemi. Um, so somehow somebody came up with Michael Schumacher said, oh, well, he's the best out there. I mean, actually, Nicky Lauda, I think, is the guy that came up with Michael Schumacher. Hey, he's the best out there. He's Ferrari. Why not? Whatever. And um, I can just see Michael. She's just like, no, yeah. I'm not well, going to come I mean, back. You know, I mean, it's I, I can't imagine why. Nicky Lauda is a great example of grumpy old men. I could drive the car faster and blah, blah, blah. I think it was Nicky Lauda who got in a Jaguar because Nicky Lauda was attached to the Jaguar team. uh like, I don't know, six or seven years ago in the early 2000s, like the last year, I think it was the same year that Bobby Ray Hall was in charge of the team. And um, Nicky Lauda was in, in part of it, and they said, well, why don't you get in the car and see how you get on? Cause, and, and Nicky Lauda was quoted as saying back then, oh, cars today are so easy to drive. They have power steering. They have anti-lock brakes. I mean, this is so they're not tough like they were back in my day. And I said, well, get in it. And he was something like 20 seconds off the pace. It's like, dude. You had your time. You're a good driver. No one's denying that you're a good driver, but get off your podium. You know, get off your soapbox. Uh, and for him to say things like that is just silly. Yeah, and I, I can't see why Michael Schumacher would want to. I mean, you've you've left the sport. You've retired. And I guess unless you want to do like a Michael Jordan thing and just kind of I'm retired. No, wait, I'm not. I'm back. I'm playing again. And oh, yeah. I'm going to retire now. No, wait, I'm back. You know, he doesn't need the money and. I think the potential outcome is if he comes back in the car and he's not that fast, then everyone else will make a big deal out of, oh, Michael Schumacher, he's not really that good. But he won't be. He won't be that fast. I mean, he, he, I mean he's having been, been out, out of the, the car yeah. for over two years. It, any human being would take a little bit of time to get up to speed. There's no testing. There's no mid-season testing. He would literally have to jump in the car on Friday practice and go. He would not be that quick. He'd, he'd probably be okay. but I mean, He'd be okay. I mean, if anyone could get up to speed, it would be him. But it has been over... Because I'm not actually sure he's it human. It has been I mean, over two is, years. Yeah. And no, he might not be human. But my point is is that it's, it's, it's an unreasonable... I think it's an unreasonable suggestion. And I think Schumacher was right to say, no, that's silly. I'm not going to do it. Um, you know, and Nicky Lauda, come on, dude. I mean... Are you even still able to walk on your own two feet? Or do you have a wheelchair yet? Come on, don't don't diss 
people like Sebastian Bourdais and the Ferrari test drivers like that. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, to say they're useless and, you know, you could drive faster and all that stuff, it's, yeah, it's, it's a bit wanky. So I'll put it this way. I bet I could drive faster than Nicky Lauda. Oh, right there. there it is. There Bring it is. It. Which means that I'm faster than both Ferrari test drivers and Sebastian Bourdais. There you go. There you go. So Proof. Like yeah, it. so we don't know what's going to happen uh, after the next race with the second Ferrari, and uh, we just we hope that Massa will get better, and uh, you know he's got a his you know first child on the way in this uh, this fall and all that, so uh, maybe you know he'll he'll be okay with some time off and doing his thing as he recovers, and hopefully he can sort of just have a nice recovery and not rush himself and potentially cause any problems by jumping back in the car too soon. So. Um, we're, yeah, definitely. We'll leave it at that. And uh, what does that bring us to next? Listener feedback. As always, we've got some great feedback from you guys. Um, Robin did a fine job recapping from last time, but uh, I did what I could. We've got, oh uh, man, people are coming at us all every which way. We've got people on our Twitter page. We are at the F1 Show on Twitter. Um, we've got Which people awesome. on Facebook. There's a group there to search for the F1 show or go to facebook.f1show.com. If um, you sign on right now, you could be the 317th fan on Facebook, which would be fantastic. How cool is that, right? And if you do go to Facebook, you can check out, have a preview of our brand new logo, which I think is pretty exciting. But there's, what is there to preview about the logo? The logo is what it oh, is. Oh, it's the new not, logo, I mean. I mean, preview of anything. Logo. It's a view. Okay. You can have a view of the new logo. <laughs> um, so I want to thank uh, Tim Meekins uh, and his crazy aardvarks. Um, as always, uh, gotten some good messages back crazy and forth on, on uh, you know, just look at his Twitter feed. It'll make sense. Um, you handle the Twitter stuff. I do. I'm sorry, I'm out. And uh, he's gotten some, uh, some feedback to us. And uh, I want to thank also uh, Kales on Twitter for... Um, a little help with pronouncing See, this is what Jaime Alvorsari's name, which oh. I'm still getting wrong, I'm sure. But, um, hey, at least we get to pretend like we know what we're talking about here. Um, on Facebook, um, we've got <laughs> Phil Shaw making a, a big deal out of uh, Kimi's head in the post, post-race uh, interviews. Um, you know, question is, is, is Kimi's head too small or is cap massive? You know, thoughts. <laughs> and, uh, and he posts this picture. And I guess Kimi's going for this kind of like skater kind of like yeah. look now with the straight bill and the big yeah. hat. There, there's kind of a, you know, here in the States, it's kind of a skater. It's kind of the skater look to have the hat brim a little bit flatter and kind of a little bit of a big hat look and have it low on your head like that. Yeah. And, you know, Kimi's... Hooligans. Kimi's a little hooligan skater like that, I suppose. Get I don't off know. my lawn! We're not trying to be prejudiced against skaters. We think skaters are great. Um, uh, I also I would like to thank um, Emily Hansen for her email. Uh, she said, well done on the one-man show. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Germany was a great race. Bit of an upset for Hamilton. He really could have done well. Got a few points. Absolutely true. And I think, uh, I think he proved that this weekend. Uh, and she adds that I was most upset about Sutil... He had really outshone himself until that cola-drinking, ice-cream-eating Finn in the Ferrari came along. That's Not beautiful. happy and, and really happy for Mark Webber. Yay. Okay. And she also wanted to, um, she also wanted to answer our trivia question. Uh, she gave us a suggestion. We will tell you whether that's right or not in just a little while. And she also had some predictions. Uh, she predicted Vettel, Button, and Webber to be the top three. And she's actually one for three on those. And her 13th finisher was Hecky Kovalainen. Not so much, but not a bad guess. You did better than Jim. Um, I also want to thank uh, AJ for um, uh, uh, giving us his predictions. He had a button to be on pole and a win. Weber in second, Rosberg in third. 
13th Kaz Nakajima, uh, no. And uh, <laughs> one, one fearless prediction, he said, one of the BMW cars will have to retire. Also not true. Yeah, that did not actually happen this time. Yeah, we didn't have any safety cars or anything. I mean, once the race got underway, there were these pit stop issues and these uh-huh. little contact, but no safety cars and no major incidents. And we also had, uh, he had some rumors he wanted to run by us. Uh, if, the stu- if the dispute between the FIA and the FOTA goes on for another month or so, that will give an advantage next year to teams like Williams and Force India who don't have to worry about that. What do you think? I'm, I'm not so sure it's going to make a difference. Yeah, because I don't think the guys really... Well, I guess the only issue is what changes with the rules because the guys that are actually doing the aerodynamics work and the suspension work and all that, these aren't the guys that are in meetings with the FIA and dealing with that. I mean, yeah, it takes up some of the team principal's time, but I don't think that the, the process of drawing these things out really affects the like the design and building of a car. Well, and at this point... I think Williams is building their car based on the assumption that it is going to be going together. Right. Like, I, I don't think they're going to be building a car based on different specs until something's finalized. So I don't see Force India or Williams having any uh, any advantage there. The only, the only thing that would change is if – the advantage they would have is if it did drag out and they somehow did split at the end, uh, the FOTA has much less time to put something together, and the FIA – has a better chance of being coming off as coming coming out ahead, and the Williams would be part of that. But uh, you know, I, otherwise, I don't see any build advantage. Uh, number two, I heard rumors of Rosberg going to McLaren next year. Do you think he'd do it or stay with a mid-level team like Williams or BMW? I think Rosberg would leave Williams in a heartbeat. Um, there's definitely some sentimental value and loyalty to Williams because of his dad, but. I think at the end of the day, and his dad would support this, you got to go to the best team that you can go to. And if that's McLaren, I think he'd go to McLaren. And I think Rosberg, I think he has a level of maturity, and I think he's very quick. I think he could be a world champion if he's put in the right place at the right time. And I'm not sure that's going to be Williams. So, Well, the other thing is we have no idea if that's going to be McLaren either. I mean, with, with all these true. changes, I mean, even... It's true. Well, it's you just know, getting crazy, which is wonderful. And us. even, you know, Kimi going from... And it could be a Williams. We're not saying it definitely won't yeah, be. Yeah, and, you know, Kimi going from Ferrari to McLaren, from McLaren to Ferrari at a time when it looked like the McLarens were much better than the Ferraris, and then it turned out the Ferraris were great, and then, and, you well, know, Alonso the going back... that year. Alonso going back to the Renault, and it's like, what the hell is he doing there? But yeah, then the Renault yeah. ended up having some good success. I mean, it's... Who knows? And when you get an offer from another team, even if they're doing well now, I think this year has shown us above all else. You know, we we sort of not counted out Jensen Button, but it, we practically yeah sort of sure. forgotten about him as being a potential race winner and so on. And it's like, and there he is. And Mark Webber has finally, you know, after 130 starts, gotten his win. It's like, I don't know who can pick this stuff. Um, right. Well, and let's who I mean, can predict another, another example of that. I mean, last year this time. A lot of magazines and different press were touting Robert Kubica as the best driver in Formula One. Yep. Now, he's no different a driver than he was last year, and they're lagging around the desk. No one's talking about him. He's not hot property for anybody. You yeah. Know, no one's looking at him. So, I mean, it, it's, it's crazy how quickly these things moved. Okay, rumor number three for AJ. Do you think that since both Bernie and the FOTA want a USGP next year, that we'll get it? Hopefully. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> rumor number four. Uh, final. Uh, final one, guys, sorry about this. Is it totally silly to think we might actually see YouTube on the USF1 cars next year? Thanks a lot, AJ. Maybe, although I don't see the value in YouTube for that. It seems like everyone 
in the developed world knows about YouTube already, and I don't see why they would need to advertise. Well, everyone in the developed world knows about Ferrari already, too, but they need to get their name out there and be part of the cachet of motorsport racing, so... I don't know. You know, what are you going to do? I don't know. It just seems different to me for some reason. Yeah, and we've seen some interesting pair-ups. I mean, with, uh, like, Ferrari sponsored by Acer and AMD, um, they provide a lot of computer equipment, and that helps them, suppose, you know, with their computer-rated uh, engineering and all these things. So, if anything, um, as, again, sort of a hopeful, if some video company, Vimeo, YouTube, whatever, um, were to pair up with an F1 team, hopefully an outcome of that would that we'd have some way of watching F1 online or some kind of streaming format um, because... You know, I just speaking from you know, I don't know all of our U.S. fans, I'm sure, uh, uh, you know, understand this, but just you know, I have a whole cable package, and I spend some stupid amount every month um, for the TV service that I'm getting just to watch F1. I mean, if I could get that over the internet or over you know some other way of actually just receiving this information, um, and the fact that I mean, it's out there. If you if you can go through these you know pseudo illegal you know ways of downloading the BBC coverage or whatever, um, there's ways of watching it online. But if I could watch you know even if I had to pay for it, some legitimate way to watch F1 online, man, I could save so much money and time. Sure, you sure. know, with uh, I mean, for me personally, uh, my fiance might have words about this. I have no reason for cable other than Formula One. That's, exa- that's exactly same thing. So here. I mean. That's what I say. But, okay, uh, we, we had another email. This one from, I'm not sure I'm going to say this right, Laura Pressure. I have no idea if I said that right. I'm it's, pretty sure you didn't. Okay. Uh, anyway, pretty sure it's Laura. Anyway, Laura P. And she goes, she wanted to email us about three things. First, thank you for the great podcast. I've listened to all your shows, and I love it. So there you go. Uh, second, I thank also you, Laura, love for your comments. trivia tri- 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 trivia song. Trivia. And uh, I think she added an extra tri in there, but that's okay. Trivia. It's just so funny and makes me laugh every time. Who knew that we had a hit on our hands? Dude, I that? know. That was the stupidest thing. And I thought and it was going to be some big controversy. It's like, is it going to be the new song or the old song? And everyone was like, no, it's the trivia song. Yeah. Like, okay. So, never mind. And third, we have an answer to your trivia question. Oh, but we're not there yet. We're and we're not there yet. Trivia. So, and she said, I did not look it up, but they said it on German TV, so I don't know if that's cheating. No, that's not cheating. That was uh, against your will that you heard that. So, that, that is okay. You could still possibly win a Coke. And uh, she predicted Weber to win again. You weren't that far off. He did get third. Um, and finally, from Nick Krause. Welcome back, Mr. Hamilton. Flawless drive. There were times he was one and a half seconds quicker than his teammate in the same car. Great win. But the main point is Massa, get well soon. They're worrying a report about being in life-threatening condition, but it is tough in one week. You had one guy dead and another injured through flying debris. Keep up the great work, guys. Um, we will. We'll do the best we can with the work. Uh, I, I, I think, you know, we talked about this quite a bit now. Uh, I think Massa is going to be okay uh, then, you know, which is the important thing. And then there's another level of will he be able to drive again, and if so, and when, and that kind of stuff. And we're definitely going to stay on top of that. But um, I think since you've written that email, we've gotten some better news. So that's that's good about that. Yeah. Um, also on the Facebook page, I mean, thanks. Daniel Jewell's got some predictions, and uh, you know, Cameron McGrath, uh, Phil Shaw uh, talked about that was the hat thing. Cameron but, McGrath isn't he the lead singer of uh, what's that band? Do you know that band? No, he's not the lead singer to that band. Are you sure he might be? Um, are you thinking of McGraw or something? No, 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 not not the country singer. There's a you know. so far, so far, so far away. Uh, away. Think of Sugar Ray? Yes, 
No, yes. he, are you the lead singer of Ca- I don't think that's the lead singer. I'm looking at his picture. No, he's not. That's not him. Where is it? Um, show me the picture. It's on Facebook. Um, George Duffy. I am on Facebook. Shut up. Uh, George Duffy. <laughs> I wanted to say good job on last week's podcast, even though you're by yourself. Good job, Robin. Um, that but he, he goes on like like in the middle of sense. Oh, by the way, you know, my dad works for Renault, and he's pretty sure that you know PK may be gone for now and all that. Dude, have your dad like send us an email or something. Wait, who said great. that? Who said that? Do you even read the comments? The comments we got I on do, Facebook? but I'm I was looking at Cameron McGrath. I'm yeah, to see okay. if I can get an autograph. Who was it? Daniel Mule, George Duffy. Who said that? The oh George Duffy. George Duffy. By the way, my dad. Um, so, yeah, I mean that's uh, uh, you know if we if you can either you know send us any like classified technical documents, we won't say where we got it from. You know, we'll just talk about <laughs> it. Um, or you know, if he's got any other insight, whatever, that'd be cool to uh, get a little. It's always it's always great to get some inside information. But yeah, um, even d- just thanks for saying what you said. I, I mean, that's great that uh, you're you're letting us know that. And I I think honestly, you know, again. We have the utmost respect for every Formula One driver that ever gets in the car. It's a tremendous effort, tremendous good job. But it, Kay's had his time. He's had his chance. Right. Um, but he goes on to say, you know, um, if basically if it were a spec series, if all the drivers were given the same car and it's them to decide to the fuel loads and other technical decisions, who do you reckon would win a season championship? Well, I mean, we, uh, Jim and I actually had this conversation uh, in, a, in, in some ways about who was the best racer. And I, I, I really think it's between Alonzo and Hamilton. Yeah. And it's it's funny that the time that they were in the same car, it was such a rivalry and all this tricky, you know, nonsense and political, you know, wrangling back and forth. And maybe the media made a bigger deal out of it or whatever. But, um, I mean, yeah, there's – and Kimi, we've sort of as a corollary, an honorable, honorable mention, sort of Kimi, like, has his moments. But overall, I think – If I, he had the motivation, he'd definitely be up there. But yeah, he just which he is doesn't weird. seem to care anymore. Yeah. I mean uh, – So, I don't know. I mean, Alonzo may just – I've just – can't get over especially when it when you know uh when he was in the renault back uh, originally before going to mclaren and all that there His were just 0506 these, these moments you know like going around the chicane um his I, outside pass in, in on 300 i forget who he passed but he passed someone on the outside of Schumacher, I, I mean yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, and just and he's you know like some going through the chicane in the thing. slow the super slow-mo going through the chicane at monaco after coming down the hill up from the you know from underneath the hotel like just he, the car will be like off the ground. It'll just touch the ground for a fraction of a second. He'll put just the right steering input to get it to rotate around. I mean, he's just just got this amazing talent to me. Um, that and I mean, he won two races in the Renault car last year. Yeah, and it wasn't the fastest car on the grid. Yeah. it just wasn't. So I, I guess my vote, um, as much as I like Hamilton, and I think overall in terms of strategy and you know young and really brilliant and, and all that, uh, I really think just raw talent um, that it would be Alonso. Um, but it's it's one of those things that's impossible to say because the guys that are good now, I mean, we, we would have totally counted out Jensen Button and Rubens Barrichello, but then now to see them in a class-winning car, then they've come out really well. And it's is that just the car, or are they still good drivers? I mean, there's so much to, to – it's yeah. really hard to say. I think it would be awfully close I mean, Adrian Sutil might be right up there. Could it's, be. You know, he's he's – he had some moments and had some bad luck, so I it's, think, a, it's a good question. I think Hamilton be awfully good, though. I, I'm, I'm having a hard time disagreeing with you about Alonzo, but Hamilton be awfully good. But I think that is a great question to ask uh, our listeners. Uh, who do you think would have it in the spec series? That's a, that's a really interesting question, and I'd love to hear everyone's opinion on that. Yes. Um, also, um, just last comment on uh, Facebook, uh, Paul Peard um, had a, another good post, and uh, he got thoughts about Renault's ban, um, which, and he's kind of in my, I think, in my line of thinking, sounds like an unreasonable punishment. After all, it, it wasn't a marginal call or a bit of suspect driving. It was an obvious mistake that only they suffered from. It's not like they would do it again if they weren't punished, um, which, that's, like we said, you know, maybe if they were punished, everyone would think that much harder about their job when they're doing the qualifying, but it's not like they're going to try to 
put his put his you know wheels on wrong until until they get caught in it or something. You know, it's not a not like they're trying to cheat the rules there. Sure, um, sure. And finally, uh, also a quick mention to James Payne. Uh, sorry, I had to work, dude. That sucks. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's um, that's it for feedback. So Long- it's time for trivia. 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 Okay, so we actually had a lot of responses to our question about the uh, our trivia question last week, which is fantastic. Yeah, uh, this is great. Um, we want you guys to get curious. Um, so the question was, for those who didn't hear it, who was the last Australian, other than Mark Webber, last weekend to win a Grand Prix? And again, this is post-1950, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and the answer was Alan Jones at the 1981 Caesars Palace Grand Prix in uh, sunny Las Vegas. Yes, U.S. man, and it, so it was U.S. Grand Prix. It was 28 years since an Australian won uh, a Grand Prix. Uh, absolutely stunning. But uh, we had a lot of people get. Almost everyone got Alan Jones correct. Well, Daniel Jewell posted like two hours after the podcast was online. Yeah, uh, he posted, "Oh, trivia answer, there it is." And so everyone else maybe went there and were like, "Oh, well, well, Daniel already got it." Yeah. So good, good work on that. We yeah. post it. Yeah. So Daniel, you get two cokes. Um, um, but some people got the year wrong. It was not 1989. It was not 1980. It, it was, was not 1977 yeah. in Austria. Uh, 1977 in Austria, I do believe, was Alan Jones' first win, but it wasn't his only win. So I, that might have been where that answer. That wasn't came. the last win, right? Yeah. It so was, yeah, it was yeah related. But it was but the not 1981 there. Caesar's Palace Grand Prix in Las Vegas. So anyway, that was the past. We are moving forward. Yes. Um, now uh, Lewis Hamilton won the race, but uh, uh, Fernando Alonso uh, put in a stunning uh, qualifying lap and had a great first race before he lost a wheel. And so, uh, out of respect for the Spaniards. We have a question about the Spanish language version of the Little Mermaid. The Little what? Ariel's beginning. Little, the Little Mermaid. Ah. So the question is officially: Who is singing in the soundtrack of the Spanish version of the Little Mermaid, Ariel's beginning? This is not the American version. This is the Spanish version of the Little Mermaid. Who is singing in that soundtrack? And your hint is: This is vaguely an F1 related question. Vaguely. Now. For those of you that are thinking, no, it's not. That's about the Little Mermaid. Trust me. Trust me. And if anyone knows this without looking it up, then wow, wow, yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, you have you have a love for Disney that equals your love for F one, if not surpasses it in Spanish language. In Spanish languages, and it's great that you're listening to us, as because we are not in Spanish language. No, we are speaking English most yes. of the time. All right, Moving English on. or something thereabouts. <laughs> so I guess. Um, now that you are back, Jim, maybe you are ready to participate in predictions. Oh man! So, well, how, how? First of all, how how were our predictions from before? Well, let's see here. Uh, I, I'm going to go with yours first. What, yeah. What did I, I? What I forget now? It's it's a little foggy as to how I came up with these predictions. But uh, frankly, looking back at it, I'm surprised you picked who you picked. Really. Kaz Nakajima on pole. Well, that, that, didn't just, have, that wasn't even close. Although he did better than usual. I mean, <laughs> that is true. That is true. And uh, you had uh, Nelson Piquet to win the race. That didn't happen. Not quite. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. I don't know what you were thinking, to be totally honest with you. I, I, I you usually know, expect more out of you. Kaz on pole, he was only ninth. Um, and then, what, Nelson Piquet to win, and he was 12th. So. Yeah. Okay. Mark Weber, 13th. He 13th was actually place? third. He was yeah. actually third. Yeah. 
I, on the other hand, uh, picked uh, Sebastian Vettel on pole. He was second. He was second. It's not all that bad. I was pretty close. You know, I was a few hundreds off on that one. Mm-hmm. But I had Button, <laughs> Jensen Button, to win the race. And, uh, boy, he's, he's not doing it for me. Yeah, not quite. However, I also had Nelson McCain, 13th, and I was pretty close with that one, too. Well, where was he? Oh, he 12. was 12th. Yeah. yeah, so Kubica I was one 13. off from pole, one off on 13th. So that means I should get a one off on Coke. So I guess that means I got a Pepsi? Oh, yeah, that's too bad. I don't really bad. want a Pepsi. Yeah, no, that's the thing. Um, so uh, Wes uh, had some had some predictions. He said Vettel on pole and Massa for the win. No. Uh, so that didn't quite uh, didn't quite pan out. Um and what else we got? Um, who AJ had what went button on pole? We talked about we talked about his, and uh, I feel like somebody on the Facebook page had some. Uh, I have so many. I have so many windows open right now. I'm I'm confused. Yeah, it's okay. It's getting okay. late for us. Uh, you know, our coverage is del- was delayed for the previous, including this race, and we couldn't watch it till the afternoon, and so now it's the evening. Um, so moving on, we've got four long weeks till Valencia, and uh, Valencia is that goofy one bridge street track. Um, what do you think? Uh, well, I, ha- I hesitate to put Alonso anywhere because their team may or may not even be involved in the race. Yeah, yeah. Although he was quite quick. Yeah, and he's Spanish, and he's you know they may get go light to uh, put him on the pole and and do their thing again. I mean, I don't know if although they're... that's exactly what they did here. Yeah. Would they do that twice in a row? Or would they? Not, but they, they, they might because they would think that we would think that well, they wouldn't pre- do it twice. Yeah, but they yeah. would though. That's how they get you. That's the oldest trick in the book. I know, right? It's the double double. It's the reverse, <laughs> the reverse I mean, Spanish this, twist. This is getting quite difficult. I mean, we have more and more people to choose from here. Really. Yeah, it's not like oh, it's button, button, button again right. for the win or Vettel. Right. Um, pole position. Pole position. Um, Pressure's on, man. Man, it is. It really is. Name um, all the Ferrari, dri- all the Formula One drivers as fast as, few, uh, as, fast as you can. Lewis Good, Hamilton. <laughs> Lewis Hamilton on pole. Yeah, I mean, with, right. with with Kurz and with all their momentum and everything else, I'm gonna I think uh, he's gonna have a rolling start or something. Use the momentum from the rolling start. What does that mean? Momentum. The momentum of the morale in, in, oh, a, more, in oh, a more abstract oh, sense. Oh, 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 okay. And who's gonna win the race, Jim? Who's gonna win? Who's gonna win? Who's it gonna be? Someone's got to be first. If you're not first, you're last. Mark Webber. Mark Webber. Wow. He's on a roll. Who's going to be 13th? Robert Kubica. Kubica. You're giving him a little bit of credit. Yeah, I think I think BMW have a strong day. <laughs> they have a strong <laughs> and, and day 13. 13. Oh, my gosh. Who's going to be in pole position? I. Oh, man. That is tough. Valencia is a street track, but it's a big street track. I think that Braun is going to need more than a race to sort out their troubles. They're going to have a longer break here, and they're probably going to improve, but I don't know. I don't see them on pole and winning, to be honest. Hmm. I, man, this is difficult. I'm putting Nico Rosberg on pole. It's a street circuit. Some crazy things could happen. Rosberg's strong. He's building on this momentum. He wants it badly. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see him put something on pole. However, okay, I don't think he's gonna be able to convert. I think Hamilton will do it again. Ah, man, I'm gonna go Sebastian Vettel. I Ooh. think Kid Vettel's back on. Oh, okay. So that's good. We have different predictions now, so we'll uh, we'll have to see who's closer. Thirteenth place, though. You know who it might be? 
lead singer of Sugar Ray, Mark McGrath. <laughs> Maybe he changed his name to Cameron. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I've got Google on my computer. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, let's see It took me like 20 minutes to look that up. Well, you know, uh, Sugar, da- Sugar Ray had been a long <laughs> Sugar Daddy. Sugar Ray. You're like the oldest man I know. <laughs> it's not Sugar Daddy. The kids are listening to these days. In 13th place. Wow. Nelson Piquet. Sebastian Buemi. Oh, Buemi. You don't think Al Guadalajara will make it up there? I can't pronounce the name, so I can't put him <laughs> on any predictions. That's the problem. I think the best chance for Buemi to get to 13th place, though, is to go out and buy a performance box. Because the F1 show is supported by the performance box. A GPS-based lap timer, performance meter, and data logger. Perfect for any car nut, that includes Mark McGrath, to use at track days, autocrosses, or to simply see what your car or motorcycle or boat or scooter can do. Shipping worldwide, except from Australia, from VBOX USA. For more info and the online store, go to performancedrift.com. Whew. That's that. That is that. Alrighty. Uh, well, we've got four long weeks off. Um, this is going to be crazy. If anything really, really mega super crazy happens in the meantime, we may have another podcast. But we certainly, uh, or you know, by the time between now and then, we will have a podcast for Valencia, I think. But to be honest, I've got final coming up for my summer classes. Yeah, I'm going to be I'm going to be away on travel, but uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do. We will do what um, we can. But certainly, we will be tweeting from at the F1 show. We will be on the Facebook Jim, page. Jim Lau will be tweeting. <laughs> Robin's too old. He doesn't, old he doesn't get one. Twitter. Um, <laughs> and uh, and certainly visit f1show.com. We've got some new features, hopefully, in the works for the website. And you can always comment on the uh, the, the the shows there. And we usually get a lively conversation. And go going to the there. Facebook page. Tell us what you think of our new logo. We're really proud of it. Oh yeah. And um, also uh, feedback at f1show.com. Yep, if yeah, if you want to uh, – yep, that's where the yeah, – I, I did that on my own. Yeah, I, I did that without you yes, last you, podcast. You, you do that? understand email, though, so I that's said, good. I, although I, <laughs> I did screw that up. I said, if we have a Facebook page, you should go to that. We have email. Just go to our website and you should find that there. No, no, you did fine. You did fine. <laughs> oh, quit beating yourself up over it. However, we do have to say also that uh, I'm actually going to be in four weeks. I'm going to be out of town. I'm going to be in Chicago for the race. I am going to try to watch the race in Chicago, and Jim and I are actually going to try to do a podcast, but we're not going to be together. We're going to be in two different places. We're going to see how that works. So if you're in Chicago, though, send us a tweet, and we'll see if um, you may actually be watching the race at the same uh, sports bar that does F1 or whatever, and maybe have a, you know, yeah, hang some, out with Robin. There's some, so. uh, I don't know, the, I can't think of the name of the place at the time, but there's apparently some really F1-friendly bar that uh, plays the race and has like a bunch of people get together. It's supposed to be a really good time. So I'm going to see if I can't check that out. Uh, yes. And then Jim and I are going to do some cool remote podcasting thing. It's going to be cool. But so look for that uh, in uh, four long weeks. And also definitely uh, uh, keep an eye on the Facebook page and maybe a blog post on the website itself. Uh, any updates on Felipe Moss's condition and what's going on with him, we'll definitely try to keep you uh, in tune with that. I guess uh, Jim can tweet on that as well. So Yeah, I, I know my way around the Twitter. All right. All right. Uh, with that. On that note, I'm Jim Lau. And I'm Robin Warner. We will see you then. See ya. See ya.